0: That you'll never hear me talk about the world and the rain, and I love to hit the lever in any sort of
1: weather. And I know I'll never change with my rope and my saddle and my horse and my gun. I Well, that was the opening music to Harlem Rides the Range, directed by Richard Kahn, and starring Herb Jeffries, Lucius Brooks, Effie Miller, uh, Artie Young. I don't want to forget. Did I? Yeah, Artie Young plays Miss Denison. And Clarence Brooks. Several other people are in here. Spencer Williams. And it was... And it was... the production company was Hollywood Hollywood Pictures Corporation. And uh, I read it was released. It was some trivia on IMDb that it was shown on television on February 1st, December 1939.
0: We read the same thing because I put a whole bunch of time into finding out when and where and why.
1: Yeah, that, that was... Uh, Really early, and it was still an experimental television television station, W2XBS. I guess before right. they came up with the the, the naming conventions. Um, that's funny. Well,
0: as a follow up to that, it was uh, it was Friday, December first, nineteen thirty nine. A part of the uh, television shows at that time had to do with the New York World's Fair.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And uh, W2XBS was a nonprofit experimental station owned by NBC. Now, if that's not enough trivia, Harlem Rides the Range was on that day from 2.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, I could find almost anything on the Internet. I looked this up. They have, There's a site that has the complete schedule for, oh for that year of television. And that's it looked crazy. like this experimental station would run a uh, movie every afternoon, like Afternoon at the Movies. And for December 1, that was uh, Harlem Rides the Range. So <laughs> that's 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 more trivia than anybody would probably want. I wonder want how
1: to. many television sets were picking up that signal at that time. I can't imagine it was too uh, many.
0: Well, they had them at the World's Fair. And, you know, I think NBC realized the political world climate at that time, so they just they didn't really push it forward. Too rapidly because of the war in Europe, and then we got into it. So yeah. I can't imagine. I, I remember when we traveled back in the early fifties, and we were in Midwest in Illinois. There, there were always television sets in bars, restaurants, and uh, furniture department store windows, appliance store windows. But a lot of
1: that was about it. Well, even even uh, boy, we're really going down a rabbit hole here. Yeah. Um, I know. <laughs> You know, you think about like the day the earth stood still and how they got all these people were watching the TVs in the windows. And a lot of old movies have that scene where people are getting their news from the televisions in the windows of department stores. And so that was definitely a thing. Well, uh, we
0: didn't have a TV until 1955, January that year. And earlier than that, we could go down to this uh, furniture store in Lowestown. And they would be open for a couple hours in the evening. We'd go in there and sit and watch a show. Now, that's weird.
1: That is weird. That's so different than now.
0: (laughs) So anyway, we climb out of the rabbit hole.
1: Yes, coming back to uh, what we're doing here. We're uh, Classic Movie Reviews. And you can find us on the internet at uh, ClassicMovieReviews.net. And we're on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com/classic movie reviews and you can check us out there and uh, help support the show that way. And to those of you that have uh, subscribed, thank you so much and we want to give a shout out to a new patreon, Bethany Barnson. And uh, she she mentioned that she listens to the show with her three young children, which is great. So that's awesome that you can do that, Bethany. And also thank you so much for becoming a patron on patreon <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> we've really got it together this i was i was
0: drinking a cup uh drink of coffee i'd also like to thank bethany for uh joining us on patreon and i love the fact that she's watching or listening to us with three three small children who are all probably helping her make christmas baked goods cookies and so forth <laughs> i can just see that happening
1: if that's that's a great picture, even if it's not true. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from North Bend today, where we're under a winter storm warning and flood watch for the next three days. And I took some trash out and had to wade through like three inches of water in my backyard. So, yeah, that's definitely happening. And
0: uh, this is Bob Johnson <clears throat> in Los Angeles, where we have pretty nice weather, welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews. And if you're having a winter storm warning, they've sent some poor soul up to the top of Snoqualmie Pass to stand there in the <laughs> blizzard and report yeah. back that the snow is going to be unbelievable,
1: no matter whether yeah, it is or not. From a, from a local uh, TV station, That's a, that's <clears> totally <throat> what happens every year.
0: So Harlem rides the range. I've got a tagline for this that I picked up. I love this. This is an exact quote. Men of action blaze a trail of love and lead,
1: as law and order comes to the old west.
0: That really <laughs> says it all.
1: Well, that's what's great about that tagline is it describes every Western movie that was made in the 1930s. <laughs> oh
0: yes, it could have could have been Tex Ritter, Tim Holt, Gene Autry, Wild Bill Elliott, <laughs> our hero here, Bob Blake. Uh, who'd I forget? Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and so forth. Um, you know part of this for me is like a return and a greater educational uh awareness building for me of the uh of the growth and the difficulty of growth in the in the film industry for uh, for blacks and, and and other uh people that uh were just trying to get into the the film the films um because there weren't many of these made, and it was difficult, uh, first of all, to get anybody to want to make it, and secondly, to find any money to make it. So the fact that these were produced and are still available, I think, is a real testament to the people who well, were think involved they had, in this.
1: They had all black casts. Yeah. Or oh, this one did. This is, I think, this is the fifth movie of of a series that that starred Bob Blake, the character Bob Blake, played by uh, Herb Jeffries. Yeah, my favorite and... title
0: for one of those is Two Gun Man F- from Harlem.
1: Two Gunman from Harlem. That's from
0: nineteen thirty nine as well. Yeah.
1: yeah I guess and... I
0: guess they put the Harlem in the title so that the prospective audience would know it's a black movie. It's in every movie. But there's no character named Harlem in the film
1: yeah it's, it's odd cuz i kept expecting i thought that the main character's name was going to be Harlem uh but it definitely is just a way to position the film for the audience that uh they're going they're they're going to be going after and um i think it was played primarily to theaters that served communities of black people yeah i
0: i i, I would agree and, and, and unless it was a city like denver or some place like that they they might have shown it in, into in a wider uh, to a wider audience, but
1: yeah, I guess when I said that, I was thinking more of like the South. Um, yeah, and I doubt that this movie ever came to to Lewistown. You know, uh,
0: if it did, I I didn't. Well, of course, in 1939, I wasn't around. But uh, <laughs> you
1: weren't born then. <laughs> I wasn't born
0: yet. Uh, but I have seen it, uh, or I've seen one of these. Well, let me start again. I've seen a couple of these on Turner Classic Movies. They will show them once in a while, so I had seen it before, but to watch it, um...
1: you know, I should, I should back that up, you know, I don't actually know if it would, I I guess I'm kind of showing my biases there, I did read that these were produced for mainly black audiences, but I don't know, I didn't read like how widely distributed they were, so I don't really, I guess I can't really say for sure.
0: Well, they, they all made money, Uh, one of them, I forget which one, it may have been the first one, let's see here. I'm not finding it, but the first one in current dollars grossed almost $900,000. I think that was the, um, the very first of the offerings, Harlem on the Prairie. So they, they had an audience that uh, wanted to see them. <clears throat> and um, Herb Jeffries, a wonderful uh, career he had, both in film, television, and a wonderful singer, Oh we my miss- like,
1: gosh, he had such a long career too. He was he was singing up until, I think, into the '90s. I believe,
0: and uh, maybe even into the 2000s. The,
1: into the 2000s, yeah, into the 2000s. Yep, yep. He lived to Cause be because he 100. died in, in 2014. I know. Oh, you're um, gonna say he lived to be, a, he, lived to be 100.
0: 100. he lived to be a hundred. He lived to be a hundred and and. Um, he was in uh, movies uh, later. There's one with the gangster movie with Jack Palance and Rod Stagger. He's in that and several others. So yeah, he did he did uh, a lot of a lot of career things both here and in Europe. He even owned uh, a club uh, in Europe for six, seven years near the end of ninth, the 1940s. So uh, again, I, I look at this for me anyway as being real educational. I guess you're never too old to
1: learn, huh? Yeah, we watched it. Um Haley and Noah and I watched it together and you have to um It's an old movie, right? And and it hasn't been like fully restored like some of the some of the older movies that we've watched and so um it, it's got some sections that are really hard to see. Some parts of it were hard to hear like the audio hadn't been restored. But it was still I thought it was still really enjoyable and there were some really funny uh scenes in it like there's one where um <laughs> uh, there's a, there's the cook yes who is <laughs> s- sort of like b- pretty matter-of-fact about things and then there's it was it Lucius Brooks played plays Dusty Yeah his sidekick Dusty His sidekick Dusty yeah. and and Dusty's like a little bit more uh nervous I would get, <laughs> I would say and and I would add very hungry and hungry, yeah, I'm very hungry. And and um, the cook is played by F. E. Miller. Yeah, F. E. Miller. Is so F., Slim, uh, Slim, Perkins. Slim Perkins and Dusty go out to this cabin where they think that this murder has happened, and and they they hear weird sounds and they see something that looks like a ghost, and and then they uh, run out of there, and and rather than get on their horses to ride back to town, they run the entire way back to the to the compound (laughs) (laughs) he (laughs) says something funny about not riding the horse and then when they get back their boots are smoking
0: man my boots are sure burning up yeah but I still got a chill running down my spine say what was you running for anyhow same thing you were. what did you see I can't tell you lest I get scared all over again What
1: I want to know is, who's going back after them horses? I don't know who is, but I sure know who ain't. (laughs) And it was just like out of a cartoon, and I was laughing so hard. Another one that made me laugh is when the the, uh, cook was trying to show his finesse
0: with a six-shooter and those cans on the fence. And uh, our hero, Bob Blake, was... Timing his shots perfectly, so the guy with the cook was knocking these cans off without even looking. It was quite <laughs> that was impressive. So funny. <laughs> and, and another character that uh, went on to a lot of work uh, was Spencer Williams, who played Mr. Watson. Later, he was uh, one of the main characters in the television series Amos and Andy. At this time or juncture in history on radio, one of the biggest shows around was Amos and Andy. Uh, about a black uh, group. Um, I think it was on CBS. I'm not sure. But this man went on to uh, be in the television versions of that. I guess uh, when I watched it, um, it was it was a little bit rough on, in terms of the production value. So it does take some... You have to really pay attention to what the sound is like. Uh, but I loved Bob Blake's... Horse, Stardust, I think it's, or I think that's his name. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, the, I'm kind of jumping around here, but a lot of ways the film parallels the type of cowboy movies that were made by the, like RKO and Columbia and Republic, where there's the main hero and his sidekick. Sometimes it was Gabby Hayes. Sometimes it was Smiley, Burn, Smiley Burnett or someone. And they always had a great-looking horse. And they roamed the West as a couple.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the setup here. And I had to I gotta tell you, I was a little I had a little bit of trouble following the story. <laughs> not that the not that it's complicated, but they the way that they cut it together with the editing. Yeah, I the couldn't editing, figure yeah. out if the guy in the shed in the in the little um cabin was actually dead or not. And
0: <laughs> it turns, <But> then somebody <laughs>
1: yeah. Somebody kept appearing, and I thought, "Well, that is that isn't that the guy that's supposed to be dead?" And, and so
0: it turns out he's down below uh, mining. Yeah. yeah, it
1: all turns out in the end, and it, it gets all explained. But yeah, there was a there was a bit of confusion about what was actually going on, which was kind of funny because I, it's a very straightforward story that's been told like a hundred times in westerns um, about uh, yeah, like this guy Bob Blake and his sidekick Dusty come. Into town, and they discover that there's some wrongdoing going on, and there's a bad guy that they have to, uh, f- you know, figure out how to defeat. And there's there's some intrigue with a with a woman who is Slim Perkins' uh, daughter, played by, um, uh, yeah, Artie. Is it Artie Young? Uh, I'm on the wrong sheet. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. And <laughs> so. And then there's a there's a great like scene at the end where everything gets revealed. You know, I always like that in these old movies where everything leads up to the reveal at the end. And there was the Bob Hope movie that we just watched that was kind of like that too, where everything in the last couple minutes gets resolved. Oh yeah. Or or not. I mean, that that movie had a lot of loose ends, but you know, that's what they were trying to do is ha- have that resolution in the last couple minutes.
0: That's such a integral part of millions of films. Uh, we just went to see uh, Knives Out.
1: Oh, yeah. And that, yeah, has, that, a, looks that has
0: an ending, kind of like everything pulls together in the in the final eight minutes. Um, well, I, a little bit on Herb Jeffries beyond what we said. His uh, given name, his birth name was Umberto Alexander Valentino. Oh, that's cool. And I like uh, that. He changed that. To, he went by Herb. Jeffries, then later Herbert Jeffries. And his nickname was the Bronze Buckaroo, <laughs> the singing cowboy. And uh, if you get the chance to listen to his voice, it's magnificent. We listened to half a dozen of his songs yesterday, Nancy and I, at dinner. And man, he could really sing. He was with Duke Ellington, mm-hmm. he was with Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong, I think it was, I mean, it might have been Duke Ellington, one of them said, uh, you need to change your voice from a tenor to a baritone. You'll you'll do much better that way. And so he did, and he was very popular. He had many Billboard-rated uh, records. Great career.
1: Yeah, I listened to several of his albums as well, and I was really enjoying them. He's He's a very, very good singer.
0: Our uh, our director and producer Richard Kahn did a boatload of B movies in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties, often with black casts. But the one that got my attention, he did a tell he did some episodes of a TV show that came out of a radio show, Sky King. That was one of my favorite shows as a kid on radio. And then Is he that,
1: did, what was that about? Is that that sounds really familiar? Uh, like...
0: this, our hero was like the Lone Ranger, but he flew around the West in his plane solving oh, that's mysteries. Cool. Sky yeah. King. I think I've heard and, of that one before. And Mr. Khan also directed uh episode or two of Grand Old Opry, which came from Nashville, Country Western. But then the, f- the film that I, I think I like the title of this better than any I've heard in quite a while that he directed Guns Don't Argue from 1957. It makes me want to watch no, that. The guns don't argue, but the people holding the guns argue. <laughs> it's one of those titles that I really enjoy. Uh so he he was he was instrumental in getting this put to put together, financed and all. And they filmed it in five days.
1: Yeah, it kind
0: of shows. <laughs> <laughs> and they did it out in Apple Valley, which is north and east of LA. Kind well, of out I, at the edge of the desert.
1: One of the coolest things that I learned about, you know, researching this movie was the fact that uh, there was a ranch out in Apple Valley where uh, they would have uh, youth come out, and you know, people from the kids from the city who hadn't really been out in nature that much, and they would, you know, have them riding horses and going for hikes and just kind of being outdoors. But it was struggling to make ends meet, and then uh, they just they, they they approached the owners of the ranch, the folks that were producing this movie, these series of movies, and asked if they could you know film on the ranch, and they, they said yeah you bet, and that really helped them become solvent, so they they could continue their mission with uh, helping these youth, and I love that that's such a great story, and it helps both the production company and the the people that were running the ranch
0: yeah there's there's a a bit of information on that that i read it was an integrated uh dude ranch anyone could come there it was not segregated in any way and it still exists today that's cool Uh, i for some reason right now cannot find the name of it but i will before the broadcast is over because kudos to them for for doing that Oh, here oh, it is, here that, it is, I, I just uh, found it. It's uh, The movie was shot over five days at the N.B. Murphy's Dude Ranch in Apple Valley with Jeffreys performing all his own stunts. Um, they could probably say that about each of the movies that he did. And, and singing a couple songs, too. Yeah, with the uh, rhythm tones, I think it was.
1: I loved how they just sort of appeared, you know, like he would start to sing and then like four guys would show up and start to back him up. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Prairie flower, prairie rose, you're as sweet as each flower that grows. Every hour, every day, you are near me, though you're away. The rolling
0: tumbleweed whispers to me, and they tell me, that your hearts for me
1: alone. Prairie flower, till we meet Prairie
0: flower, make life complete With Roy Rogers, it was the sons of the pioneers. I mean, the parallels are amazing. He had a beautiful, Jeffreys had a beautiful white horse. That horse. Yeah, that was cool. Was, you could see that horse miles away. And that
1: white hat, that that was a big 10 gallon hat. The one thing I was a little disappointed in is that he didn't like sing out the end of the film. You know, like sometimes they'll have, a, have them singing as it kind of goes into the closing credits. Right, yeah. I was really expecting that, and then it just sort of ended. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait, where's the end song? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> well, to summarize the
0: plot, um, the two good guys come into to this town and find that there's all this bad activity going on trying to steal the radium mine. And through a series of efforts and ups and downs and even a little time in jail for Bob Blake, they finally solve everything and ride off into the sunset, and I just described 282 cowboy films from the 1930s and
1: 40s. Yes, you did. <laughs> but I, I'm a little—I'm wondering though. Okay, when, when uh, Herb Jeffries' character Bob Blake was in jail, he was in jail with another guy. Was it um, was it yeah. Dusty? Um, I think it
0: was. No, it was. Uh, I think it was one of the bad guys.
1: Wasn't okay. It? Okay. Well if it if it was one of the bad guys then it makes sense because he, he left the other guy in the in the cell while he while he went out to, to you know have the final confrontation with the with the bad guy. Actually um,
0: I'm not sure who was in there with him now. That's a good question, but I don't have it in front of me. But he did have a cell cellmate.
1: Yeah. So this movie is available on YouTube for free in about twelve different versions. Like, if you if you search for this title on YouTube, you'll see that a whole bunch of them are out there, and they're all of varying degrees of quality in terms of the um, film quality and audio quality. But you can definitely find it. Uh, and then, and then we got I th- we got my co- I got my copy from the Netflix DVD service.
0: Yeah, so did I. Yeah.
1: And after we watched the movie, it kind of goes to that that. Menu screen and one of the menus was like other films that this this uh, distributor releases, and oh my gosh, that was ten minutes of just hilarity, just going through these other films that they have available. I know, they, I did the they same were thing. Just... I did the same thing, and some <laughs> of them, so... Some, so I've seen some, if not a lot of them. Me too. Like there was Carnival of Souls, which I which I told them both that you should watch that. It's really really good. But then there was about a dozen that we just laughed so hard because they were like these drugs. You, you remember where there was these series of like movies in the 60s that were about how bad drugs are for you and like. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. there were some of those Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness and things like that. And there were, the titles were just hilarious.
0: And then I, I, I got mine from Netflix and I'm thinking, can I get all of these from uh, that same service as well?
1: It was quite a number. You could do a whole pot. You could do a a 200 episode podcast series of just the movies that they distribute that are not that, most of them are not that good at all. Well, the the
0: other thing I noticed um, at the end of this film, then I went on to
1: watch uh, Murder in Harlem. Oh, did you watch that? I didn't have time to watch it. Yeah. It's again, it's a very, very uh,
0: prescribed script. Uh, The detective. Again, it's it's a parallel to a lot of the films that were made in the crime genre, in B movies. You know that second movie at the at the matinee that I always went to. This could have been right there, and in fact, it may have been. I I just don't remember that. Yeah, no, it, it had a different Saul's, cast
1: though, right? Like Herb Jeffries wasn't in that one. It he was, was not it was, in that one. No, yeah.
0: no, there was a, there was a. Uh, Detective with in, in the in the spirit of those that you'd see in uh, the Big Sleep or the Maltese Falcon and yeah. yeah it was it was good it was fun and the quality of it was uh, uh, in terms of the the viewability and sound it was better than it was for Harlem on the Range I mean it wasn't it, it hadn't been restored but it was a little better so
1: yeah I did watch that. I might, I might, I, I bet that's available on YouTube too. I, I might try to find that one and watch it. I just, I just ran out of time. The detective wins out and, and solves the uh, murder, and uh, everybody's happy at the
0: end. All I, of that, I, I really, hour. I
1: really equate these these like movies, because um, this was only about an hour long, uh, fifty six minutes. Yeah I, yeah, I really equate them to like the TV series that we have today, where like. Uh, you get Netflix will produce like fifteen episodes and release them all at once, or you know um, HBO will have one released a week, and it's kind of the equivalent of that, right? Like, because there there wasn't TV then, so this was this was a you you'd have a series of films that would star the same kind of characters, and it would almost be like an episodic TV series today. I, oh, I, that's it, kind of how I think about them.
0: This is totally. Like the uh, especially the uh, the westerns that were made for television in the 1950s and 1960s. At one point, I think in the late 50s, there were 27 westerns on television during a, during a week. And there's a channel devoted to nothing but uh, westerns, the Encore Western Channel, which I enjoy watching because there's no commercials on it. But you can see everything from gun smoke to Have Gun Will Travel to Uh, Steve McQueen in Wanted Dead or Alive, and that's exactly what these were. Yeah, in fact, a lot of people in my hometown, they made a special uh, once-a-week trip to one of the two theaters to watch uh, films. You know, like you would sit down and watch an HBO or a Netflix or Amazon film today in your living room.
1: And 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 it's a little it's a little bit. Different to me than like the serials, like the Flash Gordon serials, because that that clearly that was um, connected stories where you'd have a cliffhanger at the end of one and it would pick up there. Whereas these movies are they're kind of loosely connected with the same characters, but they're not like a continuation of of one to the other necessarily.
0: right, right. Well, my my uh, my retired friend uh, John. Is it, it, I think he's watched every m- movie seri- serial that was ever made. Just, <laughs> he just he watches two episodes every morning oh, of a different serial going way back. You know, to this, uh, Sky, not Sky King, but what was his name? He was Buster Crab. Oh, anyway.
1: Oh, he, with the rocket, he had the yeah, rocket pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's was watched those were good. Them all. Those serials are of, of varying interest and quality for sure.
0: <laughs> I like the one that he could fly around. I remember that from a kid. He he took off and flew around. It wasn't Superman, but he had a helmet and a ray gun. It was great.
1: <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, I found I found uh, somebody had taken those Flash Gordon serials and edited them down to a two-hour movie. Like, oh, took wow. out all the extraneous stuff and all the opening and closings and and kind of, like, slow parts and, and built a two-hour movie out of it. And I watched it. It was like, yeah, this is really good. Like, he, they did a good job.
0: Wow, think of the time that would take. Yeah, people, you really so people have to have love a lot it. Of time. Yeah. So, I am so glad we're we're doing this uh series of films and then we'll be going on to some musicals and then we're coming back to these kinds of films because there's so many of them that we've identified that we want to watch. Yeah. Because mainly for me it's it's uh, I don't know, I guess it's it's further education or or not not educate, awareness. Of what was happening at that time in our country's history
1: one of the things i was thinking as i was watching it was how much fun they seemed like they were having filming these and how they found a way to make it work even though there were so many systematic and and uh, financial barriers to to them working in in hollywood and working in films and they just they just made it work they found a way and yeah. It was it was entertaining and it was and it was funny and there were some great uh, action scenes and and uh, the story was exactly what you would expect and you know it was it was well done for for what it was. It wasn't like a high budget Hollywood western but it wasn't it, it was never going to be that. It was it, it was like what it f- for what it was, it was really really well done and I really enjoyed it.
0: I I did too, and I, and it pushed forward the whole ongoing, long journey, for all kinds of groups, that continues today. Awareness, I think, is the best way to describe it for me. I do have one other. I I can't I can't forget to mention this on Mr. Jeffrey's behalf. Um, he was married four times, but. One of his wives was Tempest Storm. Now
1: oh, I read about her. I read about that yeah they were married
0: from nineteen fifty nine to nineteen sixty seven Tempest Storm was a burlesque dancer for decades, even up into her sixties and seventies. When I was a undergraduate student in Boulder at the University of Colorado, she came to Denver with her burlesque show <laughs> now. I didn't have the money to go, but it was in the papers and it was on the radio. Tempest Storm, and there were two other burlesque dancers of the same era. And I thought, wow, this guy was married to Tempest Storm. Everybody wanted to go see her routine, but nobody had the money to go. Plus, she probably had to be 21 to get in, and I hadn't quite qualified yet. So that's my last trivia on Herbert Jeffries. I, I I'll lead off my rating on this if if you want. Yeah, go for it. I give it a ten in the aspect of it was even made. It was put together, it was produced, it was distributed, it made a profit, and it pushed forward the whole the whole diversity issue. And it's certainly a long Way from some of the movies we've seen with some of the black actors, where they play completely different parts than in this film. And then on the on the production and the and the story and all, I'd give it a five.
1: But I do that with a lot of these westerns, so I'm split on my vote. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's awesome that this movie exists and that we can watch it. Um, I love that the characters were. Uh, yeah, I, let me. I'm probably not going to say this right the first time. They were there were some caricatures in in there, but they were there because that's that's a that's what you get in a western movie like this, you know. And it wasn't because the actors were black, you know. It wasn't just because we're going to put a, an actor in in the movie and he's going to act this way because that's what, that's how black people act. Right. Like, right. Um, it was, it was because that's what the character was. And that's what you would want from that character. Like, like dusty was, was perfect. You know, that's exactly what you would want from a sidekick. And and there were, there's many, many examples of that in other films, uh, of the era, you know, Westerns. And so, and then Herb Jeffries was very competent and very, um, commanding when he needed to be. And, and uh funny when he needed to be debonair and all the things that you'd want from a leading man and yeah i i thought it was awesome that they um made the movie and and the background of how they made it was really cool to learn about so that was great and then yeah the story was was just totally average like that that was fine it was it was a western and from that time and that's yeah totally fine it was it was enjoyable it had funny moments So I I was thinking more of like a seven for me, overall. Um, I would definitely recommend watching it for film buffs and people that wanna learn more about the history of cinema in the United States. Do some reading on it, like go to IMDb and click on the actors' names and read about their bios and and then go down to the trivia section and learn more about some of the history of how they put these films together because it's fascinating.
0: It's it says volumes about uh, how this whole thing <clears throat> has changed over that eighty year period. That this film is available in many different uh, on many different platforms today
1: after all those years. Kudos. Definitely, and for those of for those people that left ratings and stuff in IMDb, where they gave it like a one star and then they listed out these reasons like. I think they totally missed the point. Um it, it was it was a movie for a certain audience at a certain time and and it it totally achieved that goal, I think. And yeah, I I, I think you have to just like with any of the movies we watch you have to put it in the context of the time you can't you can't watch it from today's perspective
0: yeah i have to remind myself of that every time we watch any of these classic movies some don't require having to keep that in mind cuz they're they're so timeless like gentleman's agreement but others like, like this you know i i don't know what it was like in 1939 i wasn't alive i read about it but that's not the same as being there
1: well, and we can see we can see examples of other films from that era where, you know, there's so much uh, racism and and um, stereotyping of characters. So,
0: yes. Well, I think uh, this kind of wraps it up. Uh, our next uh, podcast will be Odds Against Tomorrow, which is both a crime drama and a drama of race relations from 1959, with the lead roles being Robert Ryan and Harry Belafonte. After that, we will we be reviewing Sounder. And uh, that was from about 1972, I believe. And then following that, we go into four musicals, leading off with Yankee Doodle Dandy. So that kind of takes us out the next several podcasts.
1: Yeah, that's going to be great. I'm super excited about the rest of this series and then going into musicals. And so that was our review of Harlem... Rides the range, and coming to you from really, really rainy North Bend. This is Matt Johnson,
0: and here in Los Angeles, Bob Johnson, wishing you all happy movie watching and uh, happy holidays. When the day is ended, meet the setting sun, our oh, happy cowboys.